Welcome to episode number 15 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast where helping academics build online businesses and change the world through blogging, podcasting, and video. Today's episode, we're talking about side hustles. We're talking about everything around them from why you should have one, how do you make time for it, and the big question that I get all the time, should I tell my boss, should I tell my PI if I'm side hustling during grad school, during my tenure track professorship, or through my business? So for all of that, I have a very special guest on. This is a, a dear friend of mine, um, really a mentor through my whole entrepreneurship journey, which I'll talk a bit about at the start. But I just want to say a big welcome to Ross Simmons first. Ross, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I'm excited to chat with you and finally get a chance to connect with your audience. Yes, sir. So I do need to start with a big personal thank you to Ross. Um, he's influenced my journey a lot. He's a local entrepreneur in my area, which is Eastern Canada. I try to think back of the many ways that he's actually influenced my business. And I came up with three. And I'm not going to bore you, bore you guys with all of them, but I'll go through them quick. Back in like 2014, maybe 13, I downloaded an ebook called Standout, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Content Marketing. And this was Ross, that's uh, seven or eight years ago, and he's been in the space for a long time. And I, uh, I started trying to do that at my business. We, back when Yammer came out, I don't know, do you, you, you know, you remember Yammer, I'm sure, Ross. I sure do, yep. So I tried to get into that space and got totally shut down by my, my boss, said, no, don't do it. We don't want what we're doing here to be broadcast out to others in the company. I also tried to bring Ross a business venture in like 2017. Uh, we sat down and had coffee and he said, you know, you need to make sure the business is right for you and ideas are a dime a dozen and it's really implementation that counts. Beyond that, once I actually started my own business, he really said, well, I read the Hustler Manifesto, it's an ebook that he had and it was all about side hustling and that's really what we're talking about today. So I just want to say a personal thank you to, to influencing my journey throughout this whole process. No worries, Chris, man. I'm glad uh, that you were able to kind of take those ebooks and use them to kind of drive some pretty cool results. And I mean, looking at your story over the last years, it's been amazing to watch from the sidelines. So uh, my hat's off to you for being able to kind of take the, the information and actually turn it into something uh, something meaningful. No, I love it, man. So just for a way of starting, what are your businesses today? And the reason I bring up the side hustling is you, you have quite a few. It's almost like you side hustle on your side hustle. <laughs> that is fair. So um, my main business would be Foundation Marketing. So Foundation Marketing is a content marketing agency that works with B2B brands on telling their story online. That's the primary business. In addition, though, I have RossSimmons.com, which uh, sells books such as The Hustle Manifesto and Stand Out, um, has a handful of resources that I sell through that site, but also public speaking as a revenue stream through RossSimmons.com is a, a significant um, driver of revenue as well. Then in addition to that, we've got Hustle and Grind, which is an e-commerce platform targeted towards entrepreneurs, uh, where we sell coffee, we sell coffee mugs, we sell t-shirts, art, things like that all over the world. And then in addition to that, I have a handful of media properties that are not necessarily like publicly known to be Ross Simmons's brands, but they are operated under foundation and the team works on these companies on a regular basis. We also have a, a little bit of a niche in the cleaning space. We've got a new software that's coming out within the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. So to say that I have a lot of side hustles to the main hustles would definitely be accurate. I love it. And, and just, yeah, for the listener's sake, that's, so there's a lot going on there and there's a lot of pieces and you're actually traveling the world presenting on entrepreneurship quite a bit as well. And I've seen you on stage a number of times now. 
I guess going back, where how did it start for you? What what was the before there was six businesses? How did your entrepreneurship journey start? Yeah, so if you want to go back in time to when I was a very young kid, the entrepreneurship journey would have started back in high school. Um, in high school, I um, had this essentially epiphany when I was going back to school shopping with my mom and my sister that do-rags, which were all the rage back then, only were being sold in Nova Scotia as like two different colors. So in Eastern Canada, it was very hard to find multicolored do-rags. But we came across this one store when my sister went into a hairdresser shop and they were selling wholesale do-rags of all the different colors of the rainbow for like $1.50. And I was like, this is insane. I can only buy a black or white do-rag for like 10 bucks. Like if I can buy multicolors for $1.50, like ching, ching, this is going to be amazing. So I asked my mom for an advance on my allowance and I bought 10 of them and I brought them back to school and I sold them for $10 a pop. And then I just kept doing that over and over and over again. And that's when the light bulb came off that if you can unlock something anywhere that is of value to people and you can put it back in front of them, then there's an opportunity to, to make money. And that was the first taste. And it blew my mind. Like I was able to buy a poutine for the, the fellow like classmates when I wanted to like show off. It was amazing. Um, and that kind of was the, the, my first take into entrepreneurship and my, my life was changed ever since then. I love it. So I've, I've heard your story and that's a, a really cool part of it. Um, in the online space, I know in university, how did you get started blogging? Because that's where a lot of our audience would be a day. Just, I want to get started online and, and what do I do? And I actually use your example quite a bit because you didn't start in where you're at today. So where did you start? No. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a bit funny. I started in the world of fantasy sports. So I am a huge fantasy football fan. Go Eagles. Um, been a diehard fan for a very long time and have had a lot of stress because of it. But during university, um, I had this blog and I was just writing about fantasy sports and I was living in my parents' basement and writing every single day of the NFL season about predictions work. And over time, what happened was I started to notice that companies, um, sporting news is other ones, some big major players in the sports industry were starting to like feature quotes from what I was talking about. And I was getting traffic from people all over the world. And I was like, this makes no sense. I'm a 21-year-old kid living in my parents' basement, drinking instant coffee. Like I've never been to an NFL game, but people are reading my thoughts on the NFL. Like this is wild. Um, and when that started to happen, it clicked. It clicked that there is no real borders because of the internet. And if you have ideas and you have stories that you want to get out there and you press publish, you can literally reach anyone. So that was the first forte. Uh, funny enough, though, the the traffic was going up, but the marks were going down. And my mom told me I had to shut down the fantasy football blog. And eventually, I just converted that from writing about fantasy sports to writing about marketing, which is what I was doing in school. And then started to write about technology and entrepreneurship. And that helped me kind of break into this industry uh, and really start to build a name for myself at a, a young age and carry with me into my career today. I love it. And I, I started a thing here in my comments because I had the same epiphany, um, totally different industry. I was blogging about my research topic for my PhD, which was dust explosions, industrial safety. I remember it. <laughs> and Ross remembers when my website was mydustexplosionresearch.com. And, but the, the thing I started was, this makes no sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I started writing online about a topic. I came up with ideas and stories. And, and I bring this up because you can too, the, the listener. And if you do this for a month or six months or a year, you have that epiphany event. This makes no sense. People actually are listening to me. They're coming to my website. 
they're seeing me as an authority and eventually personal brand, if you choose that, use that word. And you actually have this kind of sit back moment, like, wow, the power. And then that's the point where you start to build an online business. So I, I want to highlight that as, as an important, you know, first step in this whole side hustle, create content, get online. And you'll, you'll, you'll be amazed at the results. I can't guarantee if you're going to go down creating courses or be a presenter around the world like Ross or building an independent research company like myself. But if you create the content, put it out there, you'll, you'll kind of be amazed at what the results are. So I guess going back, so I'm thinking now about the Hustle Manifesto, Escape the 9 to 5 in six months or less. And we'll put links to everything for this in grabblogger.com slash 15 for the show notes. But why, why should the listener, if you're trying to convince them today, why should they start a, a, a side hustle online? What's the benefits of that? It's a great question. So I think there's two key benefits that are often um, talked about. And one of them more often than not, which is just the idea of generating extra revenue on the side. I think that that's one of the, the easiest ways to kind of pitch why should you have a side hustle. If you ever want to kind of go on an extra vacation, if you want to be able to save up for that down payment on a house, if you want to um, be able to go to the bar with your friends and buy the first round and not even stress about it, like all of those things are very nice. And those are uh, an outcome that you can get from having a side hustle. But one of the most underrated yet powerful elements of the side hustle that I think it gives you um, is twofold. One, a new skill set that you can't acquire in your current role, in your current job. Uh, so by starting your own business, you have to think with different parts of your brain that as an employee, you don't really need to think about. Uh, you need to invest time in thinking about your own positioning. You have to spend time thinking about product market fit. You have to spend time understanding accounting, finance, budgeting, business planning, all of those different things. And those are typically skills that you don't have uh, have to work on in your actual job. Uh, I think the next piece that the side hustle gives you is the ability to really get punched in the face a few times and gain some persistence and build up long-term traits around resistance and being persistent and patience and some of those what many would consider soft skills. But those are the skills that are going to differentiate all of us long-term when all of our jobs start getting replaced by automation and machine learning. So I think that there's a lot of value in us building a side hustle, not just because you can generate revenue, but also because of the personal and professional improvements that you're going to, you're going to make. And I think you can probably speak to this just as well as anyone, but like when you first start, you think, you know, a lot, you think you have a good understanding of what the world is going to be like when you start to jump into it. But then you start every single day having your eyes open to new opportunities and things that you didn't even know existed. And I think that from whether it's your skill set, whether it's the new people that you will connect with, the people who you will meet, uh, the type of respect that you will get in your industry, the the power of a side hustle, the list can go on and on and on. Yeah, I'm reading I'm reading uh, the E Myth by Michael Gerber. I think it's Michael Gerber right now, and and that book is all about moving from a technician to a to a manager and what he calls an entrepreneur. I call a, a visionary, somebody who sets the vision. But the whole point of the book is there's a big skills gap between workers, which we all generally were at some time. I don't know about Ross because he was selling selling do rags when he was when he was. <laughs> I still had a few nine to fives. <laughs> um, and actually, we'll get into that in a second. But that's the thing. If you look back, said, "Oh, I lived a good life. I'm happy with where my businesses are today." You know, look back, go. It's because I took the time to build the skill sets and the confidence and the resilience to be able to to do that and. Your first side hustle doesn't have to be your last one. I remember that from the Hustle Manifesto. 
could be selling do-rags. It could be a fantasy football blog. It could be anything, but starting something is a really important point to that. Yeah. I think like if I go back to my early days, like when I wrote Hustle Manifesto, one of the businesses I was running was called Dreamer, which was an events company. And it was an events company that was essentially on the back end was very technical and it was technically driven. Um, but at the same time, I had never taken social media content. None of those things were taught in school. So I created this business as my own mini MBA because I knew I needed to find a way to understand technology. I had to understand startups. I needed to understand this world a little bit better. So I created that company and I used it as my own training ground. And I think that by doing that, I was able to kind of understand startups a little bit better, which ultimately led me to be able to now invest in startups, get into the startup community work closely with startups and help them grow and scale. Um, but that's all because I had a side hustle early days that was in the lane that I wanted to go into. Yeah, I like it. Side hustle is your training ground. That's a, a good quote out of that. Yeah, exactly. So that's great. So we've convinced the listener, I think, or I hope that that it's a good idea. And honestly, a lot of them don't need convincing. They're They're already there. They're doing it or they're trying to do it. And then the question is, how do you make time for that? So how do you fit that into your life, especially if you're and I say this because everyone says this, my life is so busy, especially if you're the person who says my life is so busy. How do you fit in? And one of the things that I preach over and over again is that you need to live and die by your calendar. Like I think that your calendar is the most, I think the calendar is probably the most, most important technology. This, this is the first time I've said this, but I'm putting my hat in the ground. I think the calendar is the most important piece of technology that has been created in probably human history. And the reason why is because time is all we've got. Time is the one thing that if it's spent, it's spent forever and you can't get it back. Uh, time is the most valuable asset that any of us have, but we often overlook it. We don't spend as much time as we should thinking about the time we spend. When you use a calendar, you can start to look at, okay, from nine to five, maybe you have to work your, your, your main job. There's also lunch. So at lunch, what do you do? You have the opportunity to block off time in your calendar to make sure that at least for 30 minutes during your lunch break, you're doing something related to your business. Okay. Then you have after hours, you have the ability in your calendar to block off time where you say, I want to have that dinner with my wife every night. Okay. That's great. So you make sure that that's in your calendar and it's a lock every single day. But in the evening after that dinner, you block off some time where it's two or three hours putting in the time and effort to do your business. We spend a lot of time doing things that really have no real value in terms of output. Uh, Netflix and chill, as much as it's great, it's probably not going to help you long-term. So if you can reduce the amount of time that you're consuming content, that you're, you're doing things that actually have no benefit on your relationships, your fitness, your personal growth, or any of those things, um, and you optimize for your time, I think that everybody has the time for a side hustle. You just have to start to look at your calendar and identify what is the things that I'm doing that I don't need to do and cut those out of it. Uh, and then there's always the opportunity to wake up early. I'm a, a night owl. I've never been somebody who really wakes up super early to work. Um, but again, if that's you, do it. Like Embrace the idea of waking up at 5 a.m. That to me would be madness, but I'm somebody who will stay up until 2 a.m., 3 a.m. and get something done if I need to. Um, it's just the way I work. Yeah, it's a good point. And I'm just looking, actually, I pulled up a, a post on rosssimmons.com, which I have a link for, slash side-hustle. You have a post about why, you know, how and why you should start a side hustle. And there's a little um, slideshow at the, the bottom. And it says, why do I love the side hustle? It has pros, cons. 
Pros, make more money, build new skills, employment backup plan, offers creative outlet, do what you love, control your destiny. Cons, you'll spend an extra 10 hours a week, you won't get to watch as much TV, and you won't be able to play as many video games. <laughs> that's it. That is, that's pretty much it. Those are the cons. Like it's uh, like, I think about Madden often, like Madden used to be my game, uh, NFL, PlayStation. Um, but now it's like, I probably average maybe four hours a year to play it. Um, when before it was probably like four hours a day. Uh, but now it's just, it's not possible. Yeah. And I, and I agree. It's about finding that time. It's about saying what, what matters in my life. And you, Again, it's not permanent. You don't have to reset it for the rest of your life, but no. this next month, what's the big thing? Exactly. And I think another thing that you have to embrace is uh, knowing what you actually need to do. So one of the things that I did early on in my career, uh, and this was before I, I moved out with Kristen, my wife, but I used to have uh, a commitment to outsourcing everything and anything I could. So laundry was always outsourced. I had someone come in, they would get my laundry and they'd go do it and they'd drop it off. They'd fold it. It was amazing. There's nothing better. Now I do my own laundry once in a while and uh, that's just the, the way things are, but I'm working on it. I might be outsourcing that again soon, but things like groceries, right? Like we have, we live in a world where everything can be outsourced. So like the gig economy exists today where you can pay an extra $6.99 to have your groceries delivered to you rather than you spending two hours walking up and down the grocery lanes. That's amazing. If you are in a city and you need to get somewhere, rather than always driving yourself, take an Uber, take a Lyft, jump in the back seat and start writing and creating your content and doing your work, taking your calls, jump on the bus, like all of these things, a subway, they have Wi-Fi now. It's wild. You can do all of those things and you can be efficient by just like outsourcing your time. Uh, so you can do things that matter, whether it's writing a report, writing a blog post, doing your finances, jumping on a call, pitching why somebody should uh, sponsor your newsletter. All of those different things are feasible when you start to stop doing things that actually don't matter. I was listening to a podcast with a gentleman by the name of Naval from a site called AngelList. And he talks about how when he was very young, he gave himself an hourly rate. And if something took him, was going to have a return that was less than his hourly rate and the amount that he valued his time, then he wouldn't do it. So he had bought a product at one point and he knew that if he went to return this product, he would have to wait in line. And the product was only worth uh, $50, but he set a personal hourly rate of 150. So instead of waiting in line, he just donated it and gave it to someone on the street because he knew that there wasn't enough value for him to spend an hour waiting in line and then driving to the place to actually make that, make that happen. So I think we all need to also recognize that it's important to uh, value your time. Don't be afraid to take shortcuts that will outsource those tasks that you don't necessarily need to do. Yeah, I'd agree. And a book that covers the same sort of topic that I've recently read is I think it's Work Less, Make More by James Shremko. He talks about effective hourly rate. And to be honest, when you hear things like outsourcing your groceries, I know people in the audience are probably going, oh, but I, and I actually, I do that. And the way I decided to do it was I calculate my effective hourly rate, the time it requires me to go do that. And it's like, it costs an extra, I think it costs five ninety nine, and they give you a bottle of water for free. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to have somebody right. else exactly. go through the aisles. And that's a business thing, the the grocery store would rather their employees doing it quickly than, than you mucking around. So it's good for them. It's good for you. Yeah. And I would advise like the listeners, like 
set an hourly rate for yourself. Like how much do you think your time is worth? And if you work in a job today, you can quickly do the math on that and you can see how much they pay you. Then double it because that's what your actual values probably is, or maybe even triple it depending on your industry. And that's your value. Like that's your hourly rate. And then take that and ask yourself, how many times a week do I have to commute to work? Okay. I have to commute to work every week and it's two hours. Okay. Or, or two hours a day. That's insane. I'm a remote guy. So when I hear two hours a day to commute and like I get the hives, um, but like, if, let's say you have to commute for two hours a day, multiply that by your hourly rate, by the number of days you work every week, by the number of weeks in a year, that's how much money you are sitting on just in your commute. So if you can outsource that to have a bus or to get a taxi or whatever that may be, and you can work, you can actually turn that value into money in your pocket versus money that you'll never see. I love it. That's an important point. It's a the projection is an important exercise. Yeah. And then once you get started, actually measuring it is also. So you'll find that you probably make less money on a per hour basis as a startup entrepreneur. Right. Most people are around fifteen to twenty effective hourly rate. So do the projection where you want to be, measure it, and then it's all about how do I get there. So my effective hourly rate for this year is between one hundred and one hundred and fifty, but I'm not even close to there yet. Yeah, it's a great exercise. I think you. Every, and you have to have those aspirations. You have to say, okay, this is how much I think my time is worth. And then you have to do things that will get your value to that mark in the world. And it starts very early on by understanding these this way of thinking that we've been discussing. Like I can recall early on, I don't know if you're still using it, but we were talking about like hiring people on Upwork and Fiverr to like do tasks that uh, were repetitive, but they would take a lot of time. Those are another way that you can embrace the side hustle and make things a lot easier for yourself where you can go on a site like Upwork and you can find somebody who can tackle tasks that are very repetitive that you can train them on once and just walk away from. I've done this time and time again. I probably have like 15 Upworkers on payroll right now, just constantly doing tasks for me, whether it's reviewing blog posts, curating content, um, doing SEO audits of our websites. Like It's a not ongoing thing. And again, you can get people to do this work for relatively cheap. Uh, so why spend your hourly rate doing it, uh, which could be, let's say, $100 an hour, when you can outsource it to someone who's going to do it for $8 an hour? Like It doesn't make sense. I'll give one last example, and then we'll move on to the big topic of what everyone wants to, to hear is, should I tell my boss about my side hustle? Right, yeah. So stay tuned. But the, the example, because it drove me up the wall, I just got headshots done at a professional headshot place. Okay. Terrible experience. Right. It took four months to get my files. I I just, four months and 300 bucks. Wow. I didn't, they didn't want to give me the files. They said, give me the files. I can send them on Upwork and get them raw edited, and they'll be ready tomorrow, and it'll cost me... Pennies. <laughs> yeah. You know, 25 bucks if I hire the most experienced person and like eight bucks if I, and it's just like, give me my files. So there's things that are in this world that are, are outdated and going and sitting down is uh, <laughs> for photos and then waiting four months for somebody to touch them up is, is so off. That's wild. Yeah. It's, uh, that's an opportunity. If anybody is looking to be in the photography business and they're listening to this, like you want a side hustle, there's an industry that you can shake up really quick. You got it. So, okay. I want to move on to your boss. Cause I get this question and I would normally get it from, I'm a graduate student. I want to start a website, but I'm nervous about what my, my, my supervisor is going to say, or I'm tenure track, I'm nervous about my academic administration essay, or I'm in corporation or industry, I'm nervous what my boss is going to say. And I do want to make one point is that 
because I read the hustle manifesto and there's a chapter on, should I tell my boss about my hustle? That was the first thing I did. It was actually normal to me. I just went and told my supervisor, I'm starting a website. I didn't mention anything about business because it wasn't a, it wasn't meant to be a business back then. It was eight or months or a year before I um, even monetized it. But now people ask me all the time, like, oh, I've been doing this thing on the side for a year and a half, but how do I tell my supervisor? And it's like, oh, I already read the book. I did that first thing. But so from your perspective, I know you were doing full-time job before you transitioned to one of your businesses. Can you give some tips and some ideas about, well, I guess the first question, should you tell your boss about your side hustle? So yeah, right away, a hundred percent should tell your boss about your side hustle. Like, I think that that's the, the first and foremost answer. Like it makes no sense not to tell them because at the end of the day, if you're not transparent about them, you can open up a lot more cans of worms later, especially if you're in the scientific world, because you can kind of go into the space where you're doing research and does the, your boss own the research or does the, the university that you're in own the research or do you own the research? Who owns the, I, the IP? So um, I think first and foremost, you need to start with that conversation and be transparent about what it is you're trying to do to a certain degree. And what I mean by that is you don't say I'm starting this because I'm looking to find my way to escape that I'm going to quit in two months. Um, you tell them that I'm using this as a way to kind of sharpen my skills, better understand our industry, our space, and I want to connect with people outside of the region. Very straightforward. They'll love that. They'll eat it up. I would eat that up. If somebody on my team was like, Ross, I'm starting a marketing blog and I'm doing it because I want to grow my skill set. In back of my mind, I know they're getting ready to escape, but I would know in my heart that this is amazing for them. This is a great opportunity and I'm excited for them. Even if you have an old school boss who doesn't really get the internet, they're still going to think, okay, they're doing something online. That's cool. Um, they're playing on the Twitters. Cool. Be upfront with them. Uh, I don't think that the, there's any reason why you shouldn't be transparent with your boss about it. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good, good approach. I remember in the Hustle Manifesto, I talk about the experience where I was very transparent about Dreamer, which is my business at the time. And my boss came up to me and he was like, he just sent me an invite and it was like, let's chat about Dreamer. And they were curious, like what in the world was I doing? And I was upfront with them. I said like, Dreamer's just a side project of mine. I'm looking to gain a little bit of uh, new skills. I'm trying to gain a, a bit of extra cash. And I think it'll be good for the company because I'm going to show clients that I'm innovating and I'm doing things that are outside of the, the box. I'm not making nearly enough to leave my current role and do it full time. Uh, so you can trust, like I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Like I'm here. But in the back of my mind, I knew I was trying to escape. So I think that's how you go about it. You're transparent with them. Let them know that, again, your focus is skills. And if you can position the benefits that they'll have as a result of it, even better. And there will be benefits. Like Your skills will improve. Uh, you can rub off on your colleagues in terms of just being more... Like your morale will be better. Uh, I think there's tons of benefits that you can even pitch to them around why it's important that they allow you to have that side hustle. Yeah, I want to pull out a couple more of those tips. So I got a couple written down here. Be transparent about what you're doing. And I mean, only to a point, don't be transparent where you're going to offend them. <laughs> right, yeah. But I mean, I was fully transparent. And I said, actually, key things like what you said, I want to increase my skills. I was transitioning from one industry to another. So I want to make connections. There's research groups on the other side of the world that I only meet once every two years. And I think we can connect with them more. So play off those benefits. And yeah, bring up the benefits that is actually helpful for them. Any other kind of big tips that we can pull out from that, from people you've talked to that have had that tough conversation? I have a couple of mine of my own, but I want to see what, see what you come up with first. 
Yeah, I think um, a lot of the one key tip, and it's tough depending on where you work, is uh, just wanting to send it over an email and say, hey, boss, I'm starting this thing and this is what's going on. It is important to try to have these conversations face-to-face. You don't want to be the cold shoulder who just sends an email and says, hey, boss, this is something I'm starting. Just wanted to give you the heads up. Nope, don't do that. Uh, You want to actually say, hey, want to get your take on this even. And I I hate to make it sound like manipulative, but if you can stroke the ego a little bit while you're doing it, it's a great win. Like if you can go into it and you can just be like, hey boss, so this is something that I'm starting. I know you've been in this industry for a long time. What do you think of this? They might tell you it's a bad idea. That doesn't matter. All that matters is that you're being transparent with them and you're getting them their take. And if they think it's a bad idea, even better because they're not seeing it as a potential escape for you. So I think, again, transparency is key. Don't be afraid to kind of um, ask your, your manager, your boss for uh, insight because in addition to that, they might end up being your biggest cheerleader, right? Like they may be the person who says, oh, I love this. I'm going to share all of your content on LinkedIn. I'm going to let all of our clients know that you're doing this thing. And if you can use your own company and the organization that you're working in to be your launching pad, it's over. Um, That's amazing. Like You'll have a a strong network when you launch. So um, that's another insight that I've seen uh, work well, where you ask for advice from your manager or your boss. I love it. Those are some great points. And I'll I'll briefly share my story. So I literally, and it's short, <laughs> I just went in, I was so nervous. I thought of over two weeks and I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to say. And I went in and said, hey boss, <laughs> or my, it was my academic advisor. So, um, you know, I just said, I started an online blog. I use the word blog, say blog. It's probably going to make them think that you're like silly, but that's all right. <laughs> exactly. It's completely okay. And I just want to discuss what's going on in the research world. I'm not talking about my research specifically, but if you pick up that textbook on your shelf, I'm going to talk about all those topics. I want to learn them and teach them to others. Um, and I want to do that so that I can find employment. For myself, I was trying to find employment in a new industry. I want to connect with other research groups. And I think there's a big gap in the space where nobody's really talking online. And when I did that three years ago, they may say, well, okay, I'll say his point. So he said, that sounds great. Just don't put my name on it. <laughs> and conversation over. <laughs> Today, they'll actually probably be like, hey, can you can we put that in our grant application? Because it's came so much far forward. So have the conversation, be transparent, elicit feedback and elicit help. Do it in person. <laughs> I know it's hard, but that's, uh, you know, you got to do it. It's easy to get a little stressed out about this idea of talking about it in person, but it's the, it's one like we're all grownups now. Like we've got to, we've got to have those conversations and not be afraid to to face them. Oh, I love it, and I think I'm getting there. I have a I have a son now, and I know you have a daughter, so I, we're getting closer to grownups. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> all right, I love it. So, all right, that is an amazing conversation around side hustles. I want to go through. Actually, I'll do a summary of them. So we sort of started about your story, serial entrepreneur, if you will, side hustling on your main businesses, and now you have sort of a, a whole range from. Um, if you want to know more about Ross, go to rosssimmons.com. Uh, we'll have that in the show notes. But the point I want to make is that it was all built up around building skills as part of smaller side hustles. We talked about why you need a side hustle. Um, we talked about a big tip here is that a side hustle can be your training ground. It's where you test things out. It's where you learn. How do you make time for it? We talked about managing your calendar, knowing what you need to do, looking at your hourly rate, and getting rid of things that are low value out of your life. And then you'll have the time for that. And we talked about the big question of 
how do I tell my boss? Should I tell my boss? And it sounds like the answer is resounding. Yes, I think in 99.9% of cases, you probably should. And there's a great quote from your book, and I'm just paraphrasing because I can't remember it, but it was something like, the result of you telling your boss in all cases will be less than the result of you not telling your boss and then finding out in a bad way. Yes. Yeah. 100%. That is a complete truth. It's simple. By telling your boss, you reduce the amount of risk that comes with not telling your boss. Very straightforward. Yeah. And one time in 10, they may say, no, you can't do that. And you, you'll, you'll have to, or that's a bad idea. And everyone's going to tell you it's a bad idea if you're starting an online business for the rest of your life. So get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> It turns out it's not necessarily. Exactly. I get to sit here with Ross and, and talk about this stuff. So that's a good part. But the, the point there, yeah, some people will sell you it's a bad idea and you just need to run through that. Some people will sell you you can't do it. That's where you may need to pivot a bit. Say, okay, well, we won't talk about my research. We'll talk about um, a higher level field or we'll talk about specific textbooks or there may, one in 10 times, you may have somebody that says that. So if you are having problems with that, email me, chris at grabblogger.com. I'll walk you through the whole process. Um, and we'll get you revealing and starting your blog. Um, that'd be no problem. So I do want to go to to Ross's big strength here because I need to know. Every time I see a presentation, he's in business to business marketing. We're in business to business. I call it research to research. So researchers blogging to researchers, research blogging to public, research blogging to businesses. Because of that, what is new and noteworthy in the B2B content marketing space today? And this is a total shift from what we're talking about, but I got you on the mic, so I need to get some need to get the the key insights. I love it. Yeah. So there's two key things that are shaking up B2B right now. Um, I don't know if one of them has influenced the, the research world yet, but it might be coming down the road. Uh, the first one is the rise of video. I think that because our data plans are getting cheaper, because the devices to create a quality video are getting cheaper, and because uh, these mobile phones have amazing screen quality and we can consume video on the go, uh, video is becoming more and more important across the board. Video content, whether you're talking about a subject, video content, whether you're on a conference call, or video content in the terms that it, there's going to be technologies that can analyze the conversations you're having and provide you with insights and notes and feedback. I believe without question that video is quickly becoming one of the most important mediums today. So that's something that I think everyone should be thinking about. I have a video. <laughs> funny enough, on video marketing, very meta, uh, that I think people can learn a lot from around where video is going and some of the trends shaking up that space. Uh, and then the second one, funny enough, would have to be podcasting. Podcasting is unlocking a lot of opportunities for B2B organizations and people around the world simply because we are able to consume this content passively. It is very likely that somebody is listening to us talk right now and they're running on a treadmill, or they're walking to school, or they're on a, on a bus going to school. Some of them are probably waking up or listening to this and they're turning around and they're about to send in their notice and quit their job. But all of those things are happening right now because we're in their headphones. I think that in B2B and probably even in the research world, the interactions that we have with people are getting less and less intimate. But because of audio and because of video, it gives you the ability to connect closer to your audience and with the people who you're trying to resonate with because it feels like you're having a conversation with them. So those are two things that I notice um, shaking up the industry. And if I could do one more, it would be the world of reviews. I think uh, the Yelpification of B2B, where everything can be reviewed now, whether it's a person like a CEO of a company or an actual organization and their culture is getting reviewed, their products are getting reviewed, 
reviewed. I think all of that is starting to kind of take off as well. So I can picture a world where different programs are going to be reviewed based off of the, the research that they're doing by grads and it might be anonymous. And then when that goes into the world, grads will start making decisions around what schools they go to based off of the reviews of those different programs. That's what I think the future is going to look like. And it might already look like that. I'm not in your space. It, it doesn't. We lag probably a decade behind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if somebody creates that, let me know because I would love to uh, talk to you because it's going to be a big industry. I'll give you a specific example. Journal paper articles. Right now you send them in, they find three people to review them. The three people say it's crap. You get it back, you edit it, you send it in again. And hopefully you don't repeat that process six times. Sometimes you do. That will all be in 10 years from now, peer reviewed by the, the world, I think. It will go out and you'll have things like people can leave. Anonymous is tough there, but I think actually putting your name behind and leaving reviews, there'll be a more community aspect or that a more globalization aspect of that. So I think that's coming down the pipe. So so the big the big takeaways from this, two that I want to highlight is you start creating content, you're putting it into the world, you'll get to the point of this does not even make sense that people are listening to me. And it's very powerful. The other side is a side hustle is a great way to create your training ground for your business. And then everything in the middle. And we talked about all that. So we won't go all the way through it again. But where's the best place for people to find you if they want to figure out what uh, Ross Simmons is up to? Yeah, so rawsimmons.com is definitely the best place to start. I think that that's where I publish new content on a regular basis. Some of the content might not be necessarily that relevant because it will be general B2B marketing, but that's the best place to go. They can definitely check me out on Twitter if they're on Twitter, at The Coolest Cool, or at The Coolest Cool on Instagram as well. But one thing that I do want to do, Chris, is a thank you for having me on and also just a great... Um, way for some of your listeners to get into this. The Hustle Manifesto um, has been around for a while, and I think it would be awesome for some of your listeners to get their hands on it. So what I'll do is I'll put together a promo code. Uh, they just need to type in grad blogger, and they can get um, the Hustle Manifesto for 25% off. So I'm going to set up that, and they can access that. And I think that that on its own will essentially help a lot of these folks uh, take the steps that they need to to really have some positive change in their life. So I'll second that. So in the sense that, so the promo code was grad blogger, G-R-A-D-B-L-O-G-G-E-R. Um, we'll include links where people can find that in the show notes at gradblogger.com slash 15. I have the, the Hustler Manifesto open right now. It's 312 pages or something. Um, I read them all. Some of the mistakes that I didn't make in my business early days were because of, of reading this. Um, and so I, I can't, yeah, I'd emphasize people to, to go check that out for sure. Uh, if you like Ross and what he's doing, catch him at The Coolest Cool and check out his website. That's Ross, R-O-S-S, and then Simmons with two M's. So S-I-M-M-O-N-D-S.com. And yeah, so you want to thank you again, Ross, for coming on. And who knows, after you, you travel the world and do some more of these B2B presentations, maybe we can, we can find time to get you back on the show again. I like it. I would love that. Thanks again for having me. And uh, my hat's off to you for being able to create such an awesome community and keep giving this much value to the world and the world will keep continuing to give you value back. So uh, my hat's off to you, Chris. Keep it up. I love it. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Ross Simmons talk about why you need a side hustle in your business, how to get into your business and how to manage the relationships around that. As always, you can grab the transcripts from this episode at grabblogger.com slash 15 Go there. There's a big orange button. You can't miss it. That's the whole point of the button. Um, and grab the transcripts. We'll also throw together a, a cheat sheet on seven or eight tips around if you're approaching your boss 
what should you be thinking? What should you have in your head? And we'll cover the things that we actually put in this episode. Um, you can grab that at the show notes as well. So I always want to thank you for listening to the Grab Blogger podcast. I'm really excited to see your online businesses continue to grow through blogging, podcasting, and video, putting content in the world. I'm really excited to, to keep putting this podcast out and seeing that grow as well. So we'll talk next week, and I look forward to, to bringing the next amazing guest on to talk with you all. Thank you.